Welcome to TEN, the Tenth Experience Network. I'm your host, David Abrams. In this episode, we are connecting with Susie Yu, Principal, Head of Development at MAG Partners. In this episode, we will learn about Susie's journey from architect to building developer and now entrepreneur. She will share her learning from working with many amazing women who have been successful in managing both career and their personal lives. Susie will talk about the combination of design and the realization of development. We will discuss how a bit of luck along the way can become the secret ingredient to success. We will chat about connecting residents to the community and creating mentorship opportunities for social good. She will also introduce listeners to the notion of nature being a critical element of design and how touchless access in buildings is the way of the future. We are excited to be sharing this podcast with you. So be sure to follow 10 so you never miss an episode of the Tenant Experience Network. And now I'd like to welcome Susie to the show. Really glad you could be with us today. Thank you, David. Glad to be here. Awesome. So let's start with your journey to your current position as Principal Head of Development at MAG Partners. How did you get started? Walk me through it and maybe share a little bit more about your current role as well. Okay. So um, I am a uh, recovering architect uh, (laughs) turned developer, went over to the dark side. I studied architecture undergrad at UVA. And as soon as I graduated, I came to New York City because this is where I wanted to end up. It was the most exciting city in the world. And I was able to start my career working for a small firm. Uh, and then I moved on to um, to work for Robert A.M. Stern, who you know has done, gosh, I don't know, uh, whole Disney resorts. Uh, He's done many cultural buildings and a lot of residential, you know, high-end multifamily as well as single family homes for uh, the wealthy. And I was there for about six years. And, um, you know, I always, um, I I always never, I, I didn't understand why architects work so hard, put so much at risk, had so much liability, right? But made so little money. Like it just didn't make sense to me. Like the, the business model in a way is a, a failed concept. Mm-hmm. So anyways, I, um, I started working for a developer who was trying to go for a zoning variance and he hired our firm because of our reputation and doing a lot of historical work. And I spent a lot of time with him doing um, zoning meetings, uh, mayor's presentations, the land use committee, and you know, just started to kind of absorb what developers do and realize that, wow, this is so much more fun. And my portion as an architect <laughs> is so much smaller than the bigger frame of how uh, cities develop, how buildings go up, you know, that end of it. So I decided um, that I wanted to become a real estate developer with this much knowledge, like a little bit of knowledge, right? right. And, um, and I applied to Columbia, uh, the Miserat program. And um, I walked into Bob Stern's office uh, and back then you could only see him on a weekend because he had become uh, Dean of Yale School of Architecture. So mm-hmm. it was given that we were there on weekends and I told him that Bob, you know, I really enjoyed being here, but 
I want to switch careers and go into development. And he said, um, it's the biggest mistake uh, of your life. Uh, but then I wrote a really great recommendation for myself and he signed it, which is <laughs> <laughs> and then and then I did the Columbia program and um the second semester of Columbia Misra program was actually uh, uh, an internship uh, for credit. And I was hired at Forest City uh, to be the intern. Um, you know, they were starting to, they were designated as the developer for the New York Times building. Okay. And uh, Bob Stern's office had actually written the design uh, use guideline for 42nd Street. So, um, you know, having the design background was helpful. And then I stayed there. I started after school, um, school ended. I uh, started there as a project manager, worked my way up, um, eventually uh, head of de development of Forest City Ratner Companies. And then when they were acquired by Brookfield, I, um, I left with the CEO of Forest City, uh, and then started uh, Mag Partners. So we've actually been um, in existence. I call us the 25-year-old startup. Right. Uh, we've been at this now two and a half years, roughly. And we have three projects uh, uh, that we're working on. Uh, currently, one is uh, under construction. Two, they're both multifamily rental in uh, Manhattan, two are in the design phase, and we have one boutique office building that we are designing in the Hudson Square area. So it's been um, a really interesting arc, you know, going from a large publicly traded company with a tremendous balance sheet, and then coming out of that and, you know, becoming an entrepreneur. Um, right. And it's it's been it's been fun. It's almost like uh, going into a different. Um, mentality. I miss some of the resources. Like I don't have an executive assistant who used to sort of manage my entire uh, professional life. I had to like book my own appointments now and manage my own calendar. And I, and I'm horrible at it. Um, <laughs> you know, just having not having that support, but at the same time, it's been so much fun. Um, sort of getting back into managing projects and getting to the nitty gritty and, um, so yeah, it's totally exciting. Oh, and the other thing that happened at Columbia was I met my husband, who was okay. also an architect turned developer. Uh, so a lot of good things since I became a developer. Very interesting. That's a great story. I love the the whole um, evolution of how you started and and your decision to sort of take a leap of faith and and I, I love how you, I knew this much. That that's the best part, right? <laughs> um, but you go for it. So clearly you had that entrepreneurial spirit. Uh, in you already, because uh, that's very much uh, the attitude that you need. So why, why do you think you were so uniquely suited to this opportunity? What helped you to become successful? Skills, mentors, colleagues, books, what helped you along the way? I think all of those things are help you along the way. Uh, but I think the, the main thing that helped me really um, to be a good developer is marrying the understanding of how important design is mm -hmm. to the actual understanding the design importance of design to the actual actual realization of development right. and as an architect one of the things that I can go head to head to uh, head to head with 
Frank Gehry, Renzo Piano, you know, all these architects that I've worked with, Bob Stern, um, is that I am an architect mm -hmm. and therefore uh, I know drawings must be coordinated, right? And certain things that the architects want to do have no value to me. Right. And when I say have no value, it, it doesn't create um, increased value in the development and, you know, and to balance that in a way that continues to let the architect be creative and get what they need out of it. But then it also means that I have the ability to push back and drive the development and design process so it meets the financial goals of the project. Right. Um, the other thing I think was incredibly helpful, and this is serendipity, is um, Bruce Ratner was an incredible mentor to me. Mm -hmm. And I would say that he was, a, it, it, Forest City uh, was a true environmental meritocracy. Mm -hmm. um, you know, Bruce had, uh, before Marianne, he had a woman as the chief financial officer who then become became the chief operating officer, the head controller was a woman, the general counsel was a woman, you know, so you saw women in this leadership roles. And there were women with families, right? right. It wasn't like women who didn't have families didn't have to like manage, you know, all the different aspects of being a woman and also having a career. And I always call it with Bruce, it didn't matter what color, what education you had, if you came through the ring of fire with Bruce, and you had to go through the ring of fire, uh, unfortunately, to sort of rise through the ranks. Right. Um, once you sort of came out on the other side, right? Um, it was an incredible, uh, incredible opportunity. And the other part was also that for a city was unlike other uh, development organizations where everything is sort of like silo, right? There's like an acquisition team and there is the development team, then there's construction, then asset management. We really, uh, the developers sort of did the entire cradle to grave. Right. From the initial acquisition or entitlement, right? Development, uh, overseeing construction, and then leasing it up, selling, you know, whatever it is. and. You know, we did crazy things like buying a basketball team and bringing them to Brooklyn and going through a 10 years of legal battle and finally bringing that, you know, starting construction on a building post 2008 uh, global crisis. So it, there are things that happened at Forest City that I really think were opportunities. And it right. was serendipity that I was there uh, to actually take advantage of those opportunities. And Marianne also was an incredible mentor to me. You know, she has a family of three and, you know, she was able to balance, you know, certain things. And as a woman being able to have a mentor who is giving it all um, and seeing that, you know, um, she can do it, I can do it, right? Yeah, yeah. And so that was incredibly helpful. Um, but I, I really think that luck has so much to do with where, where you sort of, your career trajectory. And mentorship is incredibly important. Um, you know, I'm lucky to have a lot of um, amazing mentors outside of Forest City, you know, like Marianne Tai, who have been unbelievably helpful. And, you know, as um, I don't know how or why, but, you know, I was asked to be on uh, boards without being like CEO of uh, a major company. So a lot of it really, I think, is luck. I mean, and yeah, there's a lot of hard work involved, for sure. 
I was going to say, I agree. I think sometimes luck is a, is an underrated factor, mm-hmm. but then it also feels like you were, you seem to be at the right place at the right time. And then yes. obviously, you know, you need to be able to deliver. So yes. you could be given the opportunity, but if you can't deliver, if you can't execute, if you can't meet expectations, you know, th- that opportunity will be missed. And it sounds like you've had the right confluence of, of factors that mm-hmm. have really, um, I've contributed to an amazing trajectory and, and an opportunity to meet amazing people and work at amazing companies. So uh, good for you. I love Thank it. You. I agree. Um, let's, so let's agree that living through a pandemic, uh, I, I believe has been horrible. Um, it has not been easy. And, and there are a lot of people who have really suffered. And mm-hmm. I, don't, I, I can't just ignore that, despite the fact that you hear about people who have been so successful throughout this period of time. Yeah. You know, I can't ignore you know, how difficult it has been. Um, that being said, I don't think we can use uh, the pandemic any longer as an excuse. Um, so our team's approach is this is a time to be better, to be better, and to build better, build something better, um, dig deep, and see what we can create as a result. So if I gave you an extra $100,000 right now of budget, how would you spend it and why? Well, is it budget in, in construction or is it budget in operating? Two different things, David. Yeah. Well, listen, if it was construction, I think I'd have to be a million dollars. I know. I, uh, I feel like 100000 isn't really going to get me there. It doesn't go very far. So let's stick, stay more operational. So I think for if there was extra $100,000 where I could spend to... Um, to make the lives of the residents and the tenants of our buildings better. I think um, I, would, I would try to connect the residents to the community and maybe start some sort of uh, building-based mentorship with the local community, you know, whether it's high school, you know, we build in an urban environment where, you know, $10 million penthouse is right next to a housing project, right? That's the right. nature of New York City. And I think being able to sort of reach out to community and make that connection uh, and create that opportunity, um, I think it is something that um, New Yorkers realize is important. And, and I also think, you know, this... Um, the younger generation, and I'm, I'm saying people in their 20s and 30s want more than the, the pet spa, the pool, mm-hmm. the, you know, um, the, the Uber gym. I think they want something more in their lives uh, that connects them to the community, that allows them to really uh, participate in social justice, local community. And so yeah. I would try to take the $100,000 and um, figure out a program that really connects them to the community that our buildings are in. That, that's brilliant. So as you know, you know, our startup Hilo is all about creating community uh, within buildings and also connecting building occupants, residents, tenants to their neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And we're very thoughtful around a social good component. Um, and we believe that because we're, again, not just selling a building app specific to a building, but creating that community connecting to neighborhoods and cities, that our social good component really should tie to the notion of community. But I hadn't thought of what you've just suggested, this, this, this potential to create mentoring and networking um, and, 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 and connect people that maybe are in you know, different um, spheres of influence or different spheres of, of economic um, exactly. stability and, and how that can create um, 
an interesting community dynamic. So I love that. And if you don't mind, I'm actually going to uh, steal that a little bit and percolate that over. And I might come back to you and chat about that further. So very cool idea. I think it's, I think it's uh, something that we need to be more cognizant of. Yeah. Right? And so. I think you're right that young people are looking um, to also, you know, not only work hard and, and live well, but they are looking to make a difference in the world. Um, and, uh, you know, the notion of giving back, the notion of supporting those that maybe don't have the same opportunities that they do um, could be very, a very interesting uh, dynamic that's created. So I'm definitely going to be thinking about that some more. Um, so listen, there's still a lot that we don't know. Um, you know, clearly the, the pandemic, you know, has a life of its own. And there's no clear end in sight. Um, but I do believe the return to workplace, which has begun, will continue. I think it'll be slow, certainly slower than any of us first thought. I see and we all hear about flexibility. Um, and I think that's going to be a, a, a significant theme that is going to continue to emerge within commercial real estate, recognizing that people are going to be working from anywhere um, for a very long period of time and maybe forever. Um, so I'm just wondering what your thoughts are on the implications for commercial real estate going forward. I think how organizations view space is um, in a very dynamic state right now, right? On one hand, um, tech companies realize that they need to provide flexibilities because they need to keep talent, right? But at the same time, they also know that they need to bring the talent together to create that synergy for that unicorn moment, right? That's going to be the next breakthrough idea. So I think you can't discount that um, that uh, when we're together as creative creatures, right? That's when the action happens. That's when they're, you know, sparks fly. And I think it's going to take us some time to get up, get out of this Zoom hell. I'm going to say, yeah, <laughs> it's almost become a crutch, right? In a way uh, that sort of allows us to to not be together, right? And so I do think, you know, six months ago when we were starting the vaccinations, right? That everyone thought that we're going to be back to office by fall, and you know, it may be some hybrid model. But I think that sort of um, that sort of flexibility of the hybrid model, I think it's going to continue as yes. we figure out what the impact of Delta uh, variant is on those of us who are vaccinated. And, you know, end of the day, we do have to be sensitive to people's um, uh, concerns, you know, about health and related to themselves as well as uh, as well as their families. So I think we're going to see a lot of things changing, right? right? In terms of the actual need, the type of offices they're going to need, right? It's almost like you need more like uh, enclosed space, but then you also need like bigger uh, gathering spaces because you don't want people to be sitting like one foot apart, you know, I think right. people are uncomfortable with that. So I think how the space is going to be used is different. And um, I think end of the day, actual needs are not going to shrink. I fundamentally believe it's just going to be organized in a different way. Right. And yeah, I agree. I, and I think this is where your background in architecture is going to be hugely valuable um, as spaces you know, certainly on new projects, they're going to be developed from scratch, but on existing projects, I think there's going to be a lot of reimagination of spaces um, to meet what those needs are. I agree. I don't think the footprints 
are going to change dramatically. I don't think there's going to be a huge reduction in need for space. No. Um, but I think that the how that space is designed and, and the kind of experience that buildings now offer um, is going to be truly differentiated. Agreed. Agreed. All right. Uh, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. This episode of 10, the Tenant Experience Network is proudly brought to you by Hilo. Hilo is a software solution used by building operators to attract tenants, boost revenues, and streamline operations by creating connected, engaged, and informed building communities. Building operators need to connect their tenants now more than ever before, recognizing that people will be working from everywhere, including the home, forever. Unlike apps that silo one building, the Hilo Tenant Experience Network is the only solution that connects people to their building community, network, and city where they work, live, or visit. To learn more about Hilo, visit HiloApp.com. We're back with Susie Yu, Principal, Head of Development at Mag Partners. So the commercial real estate industry is moving faster towards recognizing that their core business is not really about building ownership. It's really about creating the best customer experience for their tenants or residents. Places for people, we like to say. So can you share your thinking around how we will define and deliver tenant experience in 2021, the rest of it, and mm -hmm. certainly beyond? I think um, the experience could be much more focused on how you connect people to nature, especially in the city, right? Um, people, those that actually stayed in New York City during the lockdown um, were able to thrive if they were near parks or ha had their own outdoor spaces, right? Our connection to nature is gonna become and continue to become uh, more and more important. So when we're looking and designing buildings, we look at every single horizontal surface to see how we can create private outdoor spaces as well as uh, public outdoor spaces for, for the residents. And how do we program those outdoor spaces, mm -hmm. right? It's also important. Um, we, you have to have great Wi-Fi because a lot of people want to work outdoors now. And we, be, we have you know, extended shoulder seasons uh, that allow you to do that. Uh, people would rather work out outside than in a classroom. So do you have enough footprint for that? So I think when we're looking at, um, looking at developments, being able to provide that sort of um, different programming at different locations for the tenants are gonna be really important. And the other part I think is also important is um, you know, we really focus on creating a touchless pathway from literally the moment you are outside of our building through your apartment so that everything is operated through your phone. You can, you know, call the elevator with the door. You can open the door with your phone, uh, the entry door. You can open um, the amenities with your uh, phone. You can open your uh, apartment door. So a lot of those, a lot of these things um, where you sort of create a, um, a sense of sanctuary yes. for your residents, I think is really, really important. And I always think about, um, you know, this connection to nature needs to really occur from the moment that you step into your building and throughout. So I'm a huge proponent of using natural materials, natural light, right. lots of uh, greenery, uh, landscape, outdoor opportunities to really like orchestrate a person's procession from the moment they enter um, your, the, the building lobby 
through when they either go to their office floor or even through the apartment. So it's something that we really think about a lot. Right. And we really um, do it from the, you know, the sidewalk uh, and how you see the building. What are the materials of the building? Well, I think your, your nature can become nurture, right? So <laughs> that, 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 that connection to nature would hope likely nurture then that that uh, an environment that ultimately just brings out the best in people where, whether they were at work or where they live. So totally get it. I think, I think that's awesome. Um, And the notion of this, no touchless experience um, you know, we're really thinking about that a lot and trying to create that single control pad that enables you to have all of those various different experiences all centralized and, Mm -hmm. and offer that seamless integrated, you know, beautiful, easy to use, um, experience that, that just eliminates friction. Um, so I'm, I'm with you on that front as well. Is there anything that you're working on right now, a challenge you're facing in light of the current world circumstance or, or anything that you're thinking about in terms of some of the new projects uh, that you think our listeners might find interesting? So this is real-time information. Uh, I think you, uh, that I can share is I think COVID-related um, material procurement for construction mm-hmm. uh, is going to continue for much longer. You know, whether the material is being, raw material is being sourced overseas and then, you know, lack of containers going back and forth, you know, uh, as well as domestic uh, manufacturing uh, if materials uh, source. So, you know, certain... Uh, pockets of construction uh, material sourcing, uh, you've seen escalation. Like we all know about lumber pricing, right? Yep. It, it went up 300% in a matter of nine months. And now it's starting to uh, stabilize and come down. Uh, we're seeing real time um, uh, metal studs, right? And so I think part of it is. Um, Part of it is opportunistic by you know, suppliers and mills yep. uh, that can essentially create higher pricing because there's lack of product and lack of inventory and the housing demand has not slowed down. I think at a certain point, you know, uh, developers are going to say, you know what, we cannot absorb the right. you know, significant increase in pricing. We're going to stop building. We're going to wait, right. right? And then once the jobs dry up, the uh, the uh, power right uh, yep. is going to shift, um, but I think we're sort of headed into that uh, trajectory because um, you know if your material pricing is essentially double what you had assumed, the project no longer works financially. Yep. You know, you're not building on a huge margin, right? I know what my rents are going to be, and my rents are actually probably down from when I had projected it in 2019 when I underwrote right. the deal. So I think it's there's a um, interesting moment right now that if you're building, um, you're going to think twice about building in, in a projects that you're looking at. You're going to wait until the pricing stabilizes because there's a lot of uncertainty in the market right now. Yeah, I mean, certainly on the consumer side, they felt that price uh, impact, uh, mm-hmm. but, but they don't have the weight in the industry to make a difference. So, you know, they they either, you know, held off on their, you know, home renovation or their exactly. back deck or their backpack, or they just went ahead because to them, you know, it was, yes, it was incremental, but it wasn't going to, you know, put their project offside. Right. But for, you know, large scale construction, 
you're right until maybe that that industry will be the one that ultimately will say sorry these prices are just unacceptable right this yeah. is this is opportunistic this is not real world and you need to adjust or actually we can't build exactly exactly i think you're going to start to 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 see that a bit right Cool. Okay. Closing speed round. Some questions to also get to know you a little bit better and see what's going on in your, in your life. Um, if you could have one superpower, what would it be? Oh gosh. Just one. Just one. Just, just one. One. one superpower. What would it be? Um, I would make everyone kinder. Ah, wow. Okay. Uh, that's, that's a heavy duty one, but I like it. And, and boy, would that be, uh, maybe a, a better world for us all to live in. Um, what city or country would you want to travel to first when you can and why? Uh, Marrakesh. Okay. I've always, uh, my husband and I were going to go after grad school and we missed our chance because we both got jobs. And now that we're empty nesters, I think that is the first city that I would like to go to. All right. Awesome. Uh, when you're not working, what are you doing? Uh, I cook, okay. I read, and I box. You box? I box. <laughs> okay, like I say, I, you know, I, I use these conversations just to get to know people better because there's no way you and I would have a phone call and I would have found out that you like to box. So this is yeah, good. I love to box. <laughs> All right. Um, the number one thing you miss about the workplace? Um, being with my coworkers. I miss them. Uh, we just had a, a Zoom call this morning, um, and uh, we were saying goodbye to one of our colleagues. And uh, we haven't been together in, in you know a year and a half, so it's bittersweet. And and I, I miss them too. So I look forward to our team coming back uh, in the not too distant future. Um, your favorite, sorry, favorite recent TV or streaming movie or series? Ooh, that's tough. Um. Favorite, uh, Mayor of Easton. Oh, yeah. Fabulous. Phenomenal. And man, was she good or was she good, right? I love Kay Winslet. Yeah. And so she truly, uh, you know, sometimes you, there's an actor and actress that you see and they're generally in similar roles. And you, Mm -hmm. when you're watching, you see the actor, actress just as much as you see the character, right? Mm -hmm. Exactly. In that show, you only saw the character. It was brilliant. Very good. Okay. Um, listen, Susie, I so enjoyed spending time together and getting to know you even more. Um, really appreciated some of your insights. Uh, loved hearing about your trajectory through this industry and, and why you're so passionate about it and what you bring to it. And I look forward to continued conversation and maybe some exploration around how we create community um, in the urban environment. So I look forward to chatting more about that. Thanks so much for being with me today. Thank you, David. It was so much fun. Great. Thank you for the opportunity. All right. Take care. Be well. Okay. Bye. I want to thank Susie Yu for joining me on today's episode of 10 and for sharing her journey from early beginnings as an architect to now being an entrepreneur in commercial real estate. Great learning for all our listeners and an opportunity to gain insights into what it takes to become an innovation leader. Please be sure to follow 10 for future discussions with leading professionals and industry experts who all have something to say about the impact of technology on tenant experience in the built world. We love hearing from you. So if you enjoyed this episode of 10, please share, add your rating and review us through your preferred podcast provider. 
If you or someone you know would like to be a guest on a future episode, please reach out to me directly at david at hiloapp.com. And until our next episode, I wish you all continued success in building community where you work and live. Thank you.